pressure's so high. Like, we're making a film that's right touching my favorite movie of all time. But then if you're too respectful of it, that you dare not do anything new or different, or take a risk, then what are you bringing to the table? What's up? Star Wars fans and move milkers, welcome to episode 30 of Blast Points. Gabe, I feel like I feel like there's some stuff to talk about this week. There's a little bit of stuff. <laughs> a couple a couple things happened. Some some Star Wars related things. People were talking about Star Wars over the weekend, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think there was like a Star Wars convention or something somewhere. Something. Oh welcome to Star Wars celebration. Star Wars celebration! Some kind of bunch of nerds hanging out looking at the photos and watching the live stream it kind of hurt my soul a little bit not being there yeah because this is really the first time too that they're doing the one every year for what celebration one two and three celebration one was kind of no one knew what was it was going to be so i didn't feel so bad for missing that but then celebration two was amazing and yeah i couldn't imagine missing celebration three and they were you know three years apart so it was a big deal and then now where it's like, just when you're like least expected, there's another one. Yeah. And now it's in London, so we couldn't go. <laughs> yeah, I had to kind of remind myself over and over again over the weekend that there was no possible way I could have gone to London. <laughs> like, I know. If, you know, it's like, no, it it just, it could not have happened. And at least last time when they had the China one and the Europe one, there was no movie coming out that year. So it didn't, it didn't sting so bad. But the, the weekend 
got off to a high note, at least as far as what, what we could see on, with the live stream with the, with the Mark Hamill panel. Mark Hamill! And there, yeah, and you all know, what's frightening to me is you all know more about the movies than I do. Yeah. Isn't that kind of ironic? Uh, and you come here, of course, and I see all your expectant faces looking up, saying, Mark, give us, a, give us a detail about episode eight. Just, just, just one little, you know, not a spoiler. Or talk about a new character or a new sequence or just you know, tell us something about eight. I mean, I know you'll love the irony of the fact that I'm contractually forbidden to do that. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny because you spend all this money and I can't talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Some fan got up and asked him, uh, slyly asked him what Ray's last name was. And you saw all this conceptual art where Art Luke's, you know, in scuba gear with, uh, you know, with uh, Daisy's character. What's her name? Ray. Ray. Uh, I, listen, wait, you guys, I haven't seen it in a long time. I wait, saw what, what's her last name? <laughs> oh, it's a trick question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. It's a trap. Of course, be with you. Very clever. Because that'll happen to me. You know, I'll get bewildered and blurt out inadvertent spoilers. Oops, did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> What's your last name? Why you? All right. Yeah, only the best questions at Celebration. Yeah, so let's talk. It was, it was a running thing in Anaheim. I feel like every single panel we went to, some of the worst questions in the world were asked. Where I was starting, the first panel was kind of like, wow, questions are really kind of yeah. bad. But then I feel like every panel we went to, the questions were every single, it doesn't matter who was up there. It could be, it could be Kitster. Up there. I wish it was Kitster up there. This is so wizarding. And someone would have asked him when the unaltered versions are coming out on Blu-ray. It's like, I really appreciate your contribution to the Star Wars saga, but what all the fans really want to know is <laughs> when is the alter, unaltered trilogy coming out on Blu-ray? I think I speak for all the fans here. Would they want to know this? No. Oh, Look, yeah. I don't think I saw anybody ask that, at least on the live streams, did they? Not that I saw. Maybe in England that's not as much of a hot topic. I don't Maybe. know. Or they at least edited them out. I don't know. I guess it wouldn't be live then. But So then later in the day on Friday, there was the Archaeology of ILM panel, which I was watching – that panel and I was like, man, this is why I miss this is why my heart hurts not being at celebration. Cause I could watch stuff like the archaeology of ILM panel all day. Yeah. Every day. Just bring me some some nachos and a glass of water and I'm good. I can sit here and just listen to John Knoll and Doug Chang talk about whatever. Yeah, forever. Whatever forever. Yeah. <laughs> Where Industrial Light and Magic presents Star Wars Archaeology. And now, from Lucasfilm and ILM, please welcome John Knoll, Doug Chang, and Kevin Jenkins. 
All right. Uh, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, so uh, all of us uh, may be over-prepared a little bit, so uh, I'm going to get right into it because we've got a lot of material. Four hours to talk because, yeah, every little second of that talk was, little nugget was gold. I feel, when I'm watching those kind of panels, I, I, I feel like I have like an out-of-body experience yeah. where like at the end of the panel, I'm like, oh, yeah, what, what happened? What? Yeah, because there was so much good stuff because basically what did he start right out with? They were going crazy. First of all, they, yeah, they started they start talking about Force Awakens. What was what was digital? What was practical? Well, I just like all the stuff where John Knoll, as awesome as John Knoll is, he's for real awesome because like a lot of the stuff was like, yeah, I just was doing this in my spare time, where he like <laughs> recreated the Death Star in CG because he wanted to prove a point or something. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, something that uh, I'll say right away is not uh, not from any particular movie. This is a little <laughs> hobby project I did. Uh, and it's re- it's recreating this set, uh, and uh, as you can see uh, from this picture of the uh, the original set, um, the very back of it is uh, is a forced perspective. You can see that the uh, the stripes along the floor kind of taper um, off into uh, a false perspective. And then <laughs> we had a we had a bet down at ILM. I thought I'd prove these guys wrong, so yeah, I, I did, did this. They didn't think we could do it, so I just did it on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, he was like, for whatever reason, decided to recreate the the 3D plans from the briefing in Star Wars. Yeah. And basically went frame by frame and rebuilt everything and reanimated it and basically made a high-res version. And this was before even they were doing Rogue One, right? He just did it because he thought there should be a high-res version of it. <laughs> Which there should. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. He blew my mind when he was talking about you know, there's so many of the the models for the for especially a New Hope, the original trilogy were kit bashed. They would take model kits, bash them up, take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, submarine parts and airplane parts from models. So they took the Star Destroyer from a New Hope, got the the kit, the 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 little bits of like model kits that they used, and made digital versions of those so they could kit bash exactly the way they did. In 76, 77, digitally. Yeah. What's even crazy, though, is the people online who basically have made the sheet that they used where they went through and figured out what piece of each ship is from which model kit and had that all listed. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Like, you think there's probably been 30 years of people figuring out which piece is from which set. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. Do you want to hear a crazy story about me and John Knoll? Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> so I used to work. I used to work at a bookstore in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and John Knoll is originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? Yep. The, it was like two days before Christmas, like day before Christmas Eve. John Knoll and his family would come shopping at the bookstore. Like all of his family, I think like his parents were there with him. Like the first time it happened. I completely spazzed out, and I was, no joke, fouling him around the bookstore, like, hiding around corners and just, like, sneaking out. And I'd, like, get, I'd like walk past him and get really close to his face and look at him because I'd be like, is that really John Knoll? Oh, my God, it is. You know? <laughs> and he was constantly looking at me like, what? If you're going to talk to me, talk to me. 
If you, yeah, you could, you could you could have at least like ask him for help. Like, it, hey, do you need any help? This I work guy, here. This guy in a Star Wars T-shirt with a Rebel Alliance tattoo. I couldn't be more obvious. <laughs> what what my what was going on? Uh, <laughs> Following him around, and then he came back like the next year, and I was like, oh my god, he's back. <laughs> I'm following him around again. But I think this time I was like smiling at him. But why didn't I say anything to him ever? I can't tell you. Man, I don't know. You missed, that was a missed opportunity. I know. Sorry, I, I think I saw him at one of the SIGGRAPH conventions because he's always there and he's just walking around like everybody else. Yeah. But I didn't feel like harassing him either. <laughs> just staring at him. Tell him he's my favorite Nabu pilot. <laughs> There were, then there was the Rogue One panel. Everybody was looking forward to the Rogue One panel. And it got off to a really hot start. There was a whole opening with the, the crawl that was incredible. The crawl broke. Captain Phasma comes out. She's introducing everybody. All the cast comes out. Donnie Yen comes out wearing a silver sport coat, looking like the coolest dude from the year 3000. Yeah, Donnie Yen was born in the future. <laughs> We're just catching up to him. My eight years old son uh, is dressed in uh, Kylo Ren uh, outfit, uh, full outfit, with the lightsaber. So, you know, so they 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 are just having a having a ball. Everybody comes out. They're talking about it. Uh, the Jin Erso action figure is given to Felicity Jones. Jin Erso Black Series, pretty cool. Last year, I had the incredibly surreal experience of being made into a Star Wars action figure. And today, I would like to welcome you to the club because... Goodness, goodness. Here is your Jin Erso action figure. They're going character by character, and then they get to Baze. <laughs> Actor Wen Wen Yang. So they get to him, and they're like, hey, hey, Wen, what's the deal with Baze? Malbus. And I don't know, I, I, I wasn't quite sure, if, I wasn't following him what he was saying, but I, I followed him. When he dropped one hell of a spoiler for Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. He has a weapon. The weapons are very huge. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. I've heard it's right. Is that in English, right? Okay. So, uh, he and me was a partner, and he believed, of course, believed in force, but my character don't believe force at that time. But I pretend all of them, not them, just them, uh, to, to do very, very big mission. I cannot say that. And you got Donnie Yen next to him, and you got the, what's his name, Alan Tudyk, the K2, yeah. K2SO? K2. K2. I love you so, yes. Both of them, Donnie Yen, he's super smooth. He tries to, like, 
put his hand, he's like going to put his hand, like literally do a face palm. But he like, oh, and then he puts his hand across his hair. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Andy, Andy Tudyk makes a face like he just smelled like the biggest fart of all time. <laughs> like, oh, uh, so without saying, you know, Wen Jiang, he might be my new favorite in Rogue One. Well, I was trying to figure out if his English is that rough. Is he going to speak like space broken English or yes. are they going to be like alien language guys with subtitles? I think I, I was asking you about that before. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the same thing. Like, how's that going to work? Especially if it sounds like their characters are basically uh, Donnie Yen's character is all about the force and Bay's is all about not believing in the force and they just argue about it all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So maybe they're like the, uh, the two guys in Fast and Furious. Who always argue in Spanish. <laughs> uh, I also really liked uh, Donnie Yen saying that his character is blind, but he sees with his heart. Uh, I just want to say hi, everybody. I'm Donnie. May the force be with all of you. I play a blind warrior uh, who lives in uh, the planet Jeddah. I can't see, but I can feel with my heart. That's the truth. That's like, man, you're you're speaking to my heart. Yeah. That's exactly what I want to yeah. hear. Maybe just let him write all the rest of the movies. <laughs> episode 10 is all Donnie Yen. <laughs> it's episode Yen. Yen, yeah. May the force be with all of you. So then uh, director Krennic, director Orson Krennic, comes out. In full costume, surrounded with a bunch of death troopers, walks through the crowd. I didn't see anyone pass out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how many people at home passed out, though. Yeah, I I literally gasped, right? <laughs> My wife was outside, and like I was like... <gasps> and she's like, is everything okay? <laughs> she came running in. Yeah. She's like, everything all right in there? I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah, no, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a chronic heart attack. Um, and then at, at some point he changed his clothes. I could never figure out how that happened. Did he like go backstage and then come back out? Or yeah, he came. Or, yeah, he changed his clothes, came back. It out. wasn't. It wasn't like a stripper chronic uniform <laughs> where he just like pulled it and he had other clothes underneath. <laughs> Like tear away, <laughs> split down the middle. Yeah, I wish. I wish. Um, he just pulls the cape around the front. Excuse me, it's like shimming his body. Yeah. That uh, Forrest Whitaker comes out. It was kind of cool that he said he he actually watched the um, the Andron arc. Mm-hmm. Which is good to hear. That was pretty cool. Mads Mikkelsen came out we saw a photo here's the thing too they showed a photo of galen urso Matt milkinson why couldn't they show that in entertainment weekly they couldn't have i mean maybe we were right maybe they didn't film it yet <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that was like two days before yeah maybe he was all his scenes were in the reshoots because seems like more of a background character or they just wanted to save something yeah i don't know yeah i don't know 
Because it wasn't like, yeah, he wasn't in like a mech suit or anything crazy. He just had like your kind of traditional Star Wars semi-homeless person looking outfits. Yeah. He wasn't like a Tusken Raider. Jyn Erso's dad is a sand person. Whoa. Yeah. You know. He's the, he's the sand person Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a t-shirt that says, I am Snoke. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, the George Lucas stuff was crazy. Yeah. Okay. So that. I almost fell off the couch, like ran the ground. So George Lucas was on the set of Rogue One for like what? They said like an entire weekend. Um, well, one Friday I got a phone call of John Schwartz, who's one of the producers on the film here. He calls me and goes, "Guess who's going to visit on Monday?" And I was like, "I don't know." And he's like, "Have a guess." Right. I just, so I went, "George Lucas." And he went, "Yeah." I was like, "Shit." <laughs> And so I spent the whole weekend just crapping myself about this. <laughs> and, uh, and was very surprised because he is the nicest guy. He's got an amazing sense of humor. And we were showing him around all the stuff. And it's the honest, I, I challenge anyone to have a more surreal experience than showing a Star Wars film to George Lucas for the first time. It is right up there. And, and we, we were, and he, he'd, he'd start criticizing stuff. And you'd get really nervous, and oh god, oh god, oh god. And then he'd make a joke at the end, you realize he's being sarcastic. And there'd be this massive relief, but we were all having heart attacks. We were like, <laughs> he's got this really like dry sense of humor, which is I normally love, but I was, I was like riding this roller coaster. Yeah. And, um, and I just want to say, I want to take a moment to say, like, none of this, none of this would be happening if it wasn't for George Lucas. The guy's a genius. So much for George Lucas not being involved or like the whole white slavers and didn't want to be involved and was mad about it. Well, if I get in there, I'm just going to cause trouble because they're not going to do what I want them to do. So and I don't have the control to do that anymore. And all I would do is muck everything up. He can't he can't stay away. I think, too, I wonder if he was really happy that they took Saw since that was like one of his characters he came up with for Clone Wars. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe he's more into this one. Maybe, or maybe because it's not like, you know, what happened to Darth Vader's grandchildren. JJ, what happened to Darth Vader's grandchildren? Oh, George, this is great. Uh, You tell me, man. You made all this shit up. Like, I don't care if you make this movie. You know, like, it's not his characters or, like, his... It's not the Skywalker family, so he's not as personally invested in it, maybe? Yeah, I could see that. Because, yeah, I can't see how he wouldn't be interested in just seeing... Because it seems like this one, too, that they're trying even more new stuff they didn't do in Force Awakens. Like, it was crazy to see in the footage. I guess we'll be jumping around, but, like, the rear projection stuff they're doing with the IMAX cameras. When they're on the Star uh, Death Star Bridge, like, the view screen is actually there, projected for real, and then the shots of the ships flying with the what's outside the cockpit right. projected for real and then just the animatronics and stuff. Like I'm sure he just wants to see that stuff too. Yeah. Well, it was interesting too, at the beginning of the panel, John Knoll talking about how his whole, like the story came from John Knoll, but he originally pitched it as being part of the, the live action TV show again, going back to that. Yeah, actually, this uh, this started about 13 years ago when we were shooting episode three in Sydney, and I heard that uh, George and Rick were developing this live-action TV series. 
And I got thinking about uh, what sort of fun stories you might be able to tell uh, in that episodic format. And I started playing around with this idea, um, you know, drawn from the opening crawl of four of uh, sort of Mission Impossible style spy mission to steal the Death Star plans. And so I started tinkering around with uh, what the plot structure of something like that might be. And then uh, a day or two later, I was chatting with Rick, and I, I asked him about the show, and he told me sort of what the era and general subject matter was, and then I realized, well, that this idea has no place in that, uh, that concept. So I dropped it, uh, and it wasn't until later when the new slate of films was announced uh, a few years back uh, then beyond the, uh, the saga films, we were also doing these standalone stories. And uh, I was thinking, you know, that, that original idea could make a pretty good standalone film. And I was chatting just informally with friends at work, and we'd be talking about this, this slate of films, and I'd, I'd give them the informal pitch. Well, how about this? How about Imagine? And, uh, and I got such enthusiastic responses when I would describe this that I couldn't help but continue to make it a little more elaborate and kind of think through some of the character arcs of who these people are and how this might end. And uh, uh, finally, I, I made this sort of informal pitch to, uh, to a friend of mine who said, oh my god, you need, to, you need to make an appointment right now with Kathy and Carrie, and you need to pitch this. And I realized, well, actually he's right, because if I don't, I'll always wonder what would have happened if I, if I had. It's exciting that they have, I mean, they have so much stuff floating around at Lucasfilm that we'll probably actually see now that they're trying to do a film every year. So I thought it was interesting. So we learned one thing during the Rogue One panel that the planet, or kind of like the marketplace planet thing, is called Jeddah. Right, like the Volkswagen. Right. <laughs> it, you know, it, the time when the Jedi are wiped out and so many people don't believe in them, Jeddah is a center for those with faith in the Force. It's like a Jerusalem or a Mecca for, like, the Lor Santeca types. Right. Like, like a place where they, a holy land for the Force, kind of. Yeah, which it's neat to see. I think we've talked about this before, that they're kind of bringing in this other, almost like a faction to the universe of people who aren't Jedi but are into the Force. Like, so like Maz would be probably considered something similar, too. And that's where they find um, Chirrut, Donnie Yen, and Baze. I think we were wondering, too, that potentially Saw would be there as well, right? Or... It seems like it. I mean, we've only seen that one part where Saw comes out of, like, a little cave thing situation. But I don't know. It, it would depend if Chirrut and, like, Baze and people are part of Saw's new crew. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like that's the kind of thing based on the Clone Wars stuff that Saw would be into fighting. Well, and it would make sense, too, after the Onderon arc, if there was a place that was like a mecca for the Force and the Jedi, if Saw would trust that quite a bit. Right, because he had so many interactions with the Jedi. And yeah. Ahsoka tried to save his sister. He, you know, he has no ill will toward the Jedi whatsoever. <laughs> So then we got, it, it played three times for us, the sizzle reel, as they called it. And it sizzled. Ooh, it sizzled. Like it was hot. like cooking bacon. <laughs> on, your, on your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a fried egg 
<laughs> on drugs, on your brain. On your face. have as a kid. Everywhere is an amazing shot, an amazing character. It's about the humanity of it, which just makes the whole thing so real. Ready? Action! Well, your heart's beating and you're actually in this situation. You get something very genuine that you couldn't have planned. You'll actually compose shots that if we were on a green screen set, you just wouldn't have known were available. Pressure's so high. Like, we're making a film that's right touching my favorite movie of all time. But then if you're too respectful of it, that you dare not do anything new or different, take a risk, then what are you bringing to the table? really where a film crew like this really comes into their own. That kid, when you were four years old, grew up with Star Wars figures. It's a bit like just being that kid again. You're sort of going like, ah, ah, ah. the force be with us. One of the first things where I was like, ooh, was the uh, a Death Star droid. Oh, yeah. The Death Star droid. He looks so good. So shiny. So shiny. Well, you know what? Even before that, the shot of the grass with the little, like, moisture evaporator thing. Yeah. That was just, like, a live-action shot right out of Rebels or Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like like Lothal or something, but that was great. An overweight Mon Calamari with some white Mon Calamaris wandering around behind him. Yeah, that, once I got to that part, I was like, okay, celebration can be done now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm good. I saw, yeah, Chunky Mon Calamari, the white guys, the white ones with the little dots. They're, I don't know, they're beautiful. You're so beautiful it's only because i'm so in love no <laughs> no it's because i'm so in love with you three mon calamari's on the screen at one time my tv almost exploded yeah i don't know what they're gonna do but it's gonna be great you got Jin erso uh giving a little kid a piece of space fruit 
Jen Erso is very nice. And as she gives the kid a piece of space fruit, these two guys are walking by wearing like weird purple box hats. Yeah, the box hats guys are cool. I, there's a, there's been a couple pictures of them from various things this weekend. So I wonder if they're like the the Jedha Jedha, Jedha people. There's it looks like there's lots of explosions in Rogue One. They really showed that a lot. One one thing where I was kind of like, okay, if you didn't show me the three Mon Calamari's, I'd be grumpier about it. But the guy saying you can compose shots that if you were on a green screen, you just wouldn't know were available. And I'm kind of like, man, are you still trying to push this practical thing on us, really? Yeah, that was a little much. That that to me at least was a reasonable. That wasn't like a real desert, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Because I do kind of get where sometimes, you know, you might move the camera somewhere or pick a, a different angle because you can kind of move around on the set. But I guess on the other hand, that was kind of going back to the archaeology panel with Doug Chang showing all the cardboard models they'd build of the sets, which, you know, they could kind of do the same sort of thing at a, micro, a miniature scale of, you know, figuring out where the camera's going to be, which would work for digital sets too. So, yeah. Well, did you read also the article that uh, a lot of the sets they built for Rogue One were, especially in Jeddah, were 360 degrees where they would have crew members in costume just in case yeah. they did show up on screen because they would have they wanted to be able to have the freedom to move the camera anywhere. But that makes that makes sense if that's uh, his director directorial style more of more handheld and moving the camera around, which sure. is very different from the George Lucas locked camera style. Yeah. So right after that, uh, when you're at just about the one minute, four second mark, there's a shot of uh, Mon Mothma at her little planning circle table thing. And di- if you look directly across from Mon Mothma, I swear to God that's Bail Organa. What's going on here? There's been a rebellion, sir. Don't worry. The situation is under control. I'm sorry, sir. It's time for you to leave. And so it is. Yeah, it could be. It's pretty pretty close to looking like him. It sure looks like that's Bail Organa. It sure looks like Jimmy Smith's. Yeah, I I hope he's in there. It would make a lot of sense. I will scream in the theater. Ah! I'm bailing out. <laughs> Dude, I got to bail out. I'm out of here. <laughs> I got to bail. It's bail. I got to bail. We're bailing. And then like bootleg Dodana next to him. Oh, bootleg Dodana looks great. But you know what? Even before that, when they're in the Jedha stuff, those tank driving stormtrooper dudes look awesome. Yes. The new little fancy helmet guy, tank driver. Mm-hmm. And then you forgot the the shots where they filmed in the um, the subway in in London. Oh, right. Yeah. That uh, there's a few shots of that, which was insane. That whole part where they talked about where they basically had four hours to basically do all of that. Mm-hmm. So they had to go down there, turn it into space, film it, <laughs> and then turn it back into a regular subway in four hours. And then eventually the art department... Like, got really imaginative, and we did this secret mission where we went to Canary Wharf uh, one night, and it was no one was allowed to tell anyone because we didn't want anyone finding out. And so, as soon as that thing closed at midnight, and you saw these guys with suits getting the last train and walking past, as soon as they'd gone, we all dived in. We had four hours, they had to set dress the whole thing, bring all the stuff in, they'd rehearsed it before, and we shot the scenes. <laughs> And we shot all the scenes, and then we had to be out of there 
by 4 a.m. And we were like, yeah, we got the last one just in time. And as we left, everything had disappeared and they opened the doors and all these guys in suits came in and we're like, morning, morning. <laughs> and, and you so desperately want to tell them as you walk past, morning, morning, morning. We just shot Star Wars. <laughs> like, he was a stormtrooper. And that's and it, only two tube stops away from here. I, I knew this might come up today, so I counted as four. Is it four? Yeah. Okay, we'll start the pilgrimage now. You got Krennic walking up to a big view screen, looking at a planet. Oh, that looks so good. Looks amazing. And that, yeah, with the cra- with the IMAX rear projection stuff, so it's like it's really there on set, getting reflected in the floor and lighting his fancy face. Tons of old Imperial dudes just standing around looking oh, like Oh, and him. that's – I'm um, sorry to cut you off, but no. I think that's the shot where people are thinking that's Tarkin. I, I, I noticed that. If you look directly across from Krennic, like behind him, there's a guy and he's standing like he's Tarkin. And I don't know if it's like – if you look at the guy's face like the best you can, it's kind of like – yeah, the hair's not right, but, may, but the body's right, and the general face, shape of the face is right. So I'm like, well, are they going to do, like, the, the long rumor, like a, a digital version of Peter Cushing's face over this guy's face? I don't see why not. I mean, they've done a good job in the, in the Marvel movies of, you know, de-aging people, and they do digital stunt people. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, because, I mean, I guess all the other guys kind of are standing in the same way, too. But, yeah, there's just something about that guy that he really it he scre- does look Tarkin. It screams Tarkin, yeah. Governor Tarkin, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last... You got Donnie Yen holding a staff to a stormtrooper's neck. The whole slow-mo sequence of Jin running with the PC hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just dirt blowing up. I really like some of these shots, too, because that's one where if you do not paying attention, you don't realize that uh, the Alan Tudyk's in the background with his mocap suit on. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. So it's good to see that K2SO seems to be in a lot of the movie. He's part of the action. Uh, then it kind of goes rapid fire where you see... I think it's like they said it's a lot of uh, citizens of Jeddah. Um, and also you see an absolutely amazing white-haired Yeti <laughs> creature. <laughs> Which, oh, man, yeah. Yeti man is so... Yeah, I can't even... I don't have... There's no words. I have to go get a dictionary and find words to describe how good he is. <laughs> He's got like some kind of breathing apparatus on. Yeah, a big backpack. Oh. I, ho- I hope that's Jen Erso's mom. <laughs> uh, there's just scenes of, of it making making soup <laughs> for uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Are you hungry after your long day of work, honey? Yes, you would much. You look like you're ready for some food. <laughs> I got some of my white hair in your soup. I'm so sorry. I, oh, don't worry, dear. You make the best soup. <laughs> I'm used to it, honey. <laughs> um, so uh, did you notice also in that rapid fire montage, there's the the cop from 2009 Star Trek. 
it's not exactly, but it's oh, it's, yeah, per, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Like, citizen, what is your name? My name is James Tiberius Kirk. I don't know. The first time through, though, it's like it was hard to catch any other faces because I was fixated on uh, screaming lizard face man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's our first glimpse of him. Well, I started to fall off the couch again I, when I saw Yeti. And then when I saw uh, screaming lizard man, I think his name's Pow, that was on the floor. And I had to get back up. And it was like, oh. Is that I'm the- trying to figure out if. Because he's on the cover of that book. So, like, mm-hmm. is that just because that was early art that he's part of the crew? Or are they still just, like, they know people can't handle it and they're pretending like he's just a background guy? Well, I mean, we, we can jump forward with that because they – we had our first good look at our best friend that we've been talking about for months, <laughs> Bistan. Yeah. He doesn't look like Chet anymore. No, he's not. He's not Chet. He's he's Bistan, and people had their first look at him, and I feel like the world fell in love with Bistan over the weekend. So the guy like, arr, arr, arr. I think yeah, he's the new BB-8. Yeah, <laughs> everybody wants their own Bistan. Little girls are gonna have Bistan T-shirts. Oh, you know it. Yeah, I was searching online to see if some maniac already started to make a Bistan T-shirt. Not yet, but it's only a matter of days. Ah, uh, again, I gotta go. I need a, th- a thesaurus. <laughs> there's no, there's <laughs> no, there's no words. Yeah. It's like, what does your heart tell you? It tells me about the stand. What if dreams came true? But dreams do come true. Don't they? Yeah. In the creature panel, he throws a Ewok toy at Warwick Davis. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. They know they're sitting on gold with the stand. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, I Rogue One basically at this point is exceeding every expectation that I had about a standalone movie and even Star Wars movies in general. Like I'm feeling like the crazy, the George Lucas prequel crazy is creeping back in. Mm-hmm. I might not survive this movie. What will you do if they break you? It may be my last Star Wars film. If you continue to fight... What will you become? (laughs) Before I finally explode. (laughs) After Christmas, Blast Points will just be me talking, asking questions. Did you you see that one part? No answer. Yeah, just the sound of guts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was other stuff there was uh there was a guy with an with a, a hat kind of like the embo bounty hunter from clone wars that was awesome i just say lots of jungles jungle shots uh donnie yen hit, get, getting a shoulder to a stormtrooper shoulder hit to a stormtrooper not even looking there's a part where the stormtrooper slammed against a wall and then later you see that that Imperial that's slamming the Stormtrooper against the wall, it, it, it's a, a Cassian Andor, because you can see like a person in a Death Star gunner helmet taking out other Stormtroopers, and you can clearly see that that's Jyn Erso in the outfit she's wearing at the end of the first trailer. Surprise, surprise, it's Cassian in disguise. Mm. 
The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. Oh, did you catch the one shot of uh, Jin talking to Saw? Yes. And you can see Saw's big, giant, crazy, whatever kind of suit he's wearing. Which, who knows if they're going to do like they did with Leia and put digital hair on Saw because he's bald in that part. Oh, you're right. So Keep, Yeah, keeping it going. CG hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other thing, too, after seeing how crazy Rogue Run is becoming, I don't know that it's that far-fetched that Saw Gerrera might not. He may end up riding some creature. It yeah. doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities at this point. No, yeah. <laughs> like, you like you called me on Friday, and you got to think, because you said that, uh, did Forrest Whitaker watch the Clone Wars and immediately come back to set the next day and be like, where's my giant bird to fly? Yeah, yeah, I thought Saw had a bird. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm playing Saw Guerrero, I better be showing up to this thing flying a giant bird. Yeah. It's like, that's the only reason I signed up for this. <laughs> I never rode a bird before. So the trailer kind of wraps up, and then Kathy Kennedy comes out, and uh, kind of like she did in Anaheim, and she's like, there's one more thing. And us watching the live stream... Everybody starts, ooh, rubbing your hands together, start sweating, and then we get the sizzle reel again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, everyone I was watching was like, wait, what? Huh? huh? Is, is this a mistake? Um, meanwhile, in London, they saw it's a pretty short little mini trailer. And it hasn't come online yet. And then everybody thought that that night on The Secrets of Force Awakens, that it was maybe going to play what they played in London was going to play on that. And it didn't. It was a sizzle reel again. It was a longer version of the sizzle reel. That's what was longer? What did it have different? Um, I had a, an interview with Ben, a little bit of Ben Mendelsohn, a couple more shots of Jyn Erso. So, yeah, so it didn't play. Um, as of recording this on Sunday night, it hasn't been brought online yet. But, you know, Gabe, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, thinking about it, like I was kind of bummed at the last celebration that everything we saw, everybody at home saw. But now that I'm not at celebration... I'm kind of bummed that people at Celebration are seeing stuff that I don't get to see, but but I know I know how they feel and I know that feeling of you're here, you traveled whatever long way to get here, you took time off from your work, you 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 know, you made sacrifices to come here, you saved money for a long time. And yeah, you stand in, you stood in line for 14 hours and haven't slept. Yeah, you slept on concrete and you got excited about pizza. It is special. It's special. And the fact that they showed something and told that audience, like, this is made just for you, and you're the only ones to see this, and it's special just for you, I get that. I totally get it. And yeah. I think good for them, you know? Because that's, that's how – it must have been. There must have been some complaints or something. Because, yeah, that's how the old celebrations were. Like, we saw the Yoda Spider-Man trailer. Oh, yeah. You know, at Celebration 2. So – yeah, we walked out 
And we couldn't tell anyone about it. And at Celebration 3, they just about showed us all of Revenge of the Sith, pretty much. Yeah, they showed a lot, so. We, but there wasn't any, you couldn't hear any of the dialogue. But we pretty much walked out of that being like, oh my god, I just saw like a 20-minute cut-down version of Revenge of the Sith. But you walked out, and there was no internet, and you couldn't even text anybody. We couldn't tell anyone. We, I remember we walked out of the Yoda footage in Celebration 2, and we were walking down the halls in Indianapolis, and we were just like, oh, my God. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's good that they're bringing that back because, yeah, I can see them never. You know, that, that footage maybe will be in the next trailer, but, yeah, they got to see a special cut and see it earlier. And it's the thing. I feel like some people that have never been to a Celebration before – don't it's not a normal convention it's got like a different vibe it's more like a giant party you know with a bunch of friends that you don't know but they're all your friends because they all love star wars and it is it's like it's special like you saw something that their attitude at celebration is very much as like we're doing this for the fans there's nothing like celebration i think the fact that people care so much and they put so much of themselves into the things that they create that's something that i tell everybody who doesn't know anything about celebration is you just can't believe what people actually make and the time and effort and care they put into things it's really extraordinary i yeah i'm fine with it i'm fine if it never goes online and you know, those people that were in that room that day, that's their special thing. And that's awesome. Yeah. And it kind of makes it more exciting looking forward to uh, Orlando next year that there'll probably be some special stuff. Woo. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there was one thing with uh, Rogue One that they showed. There was no dialogue, no audio, but there was like a little bit of finished film footage that was completely awesome. It was almost finished. We got to see our first look of uh, what K2SO is like in the movie. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah. He looks really good. And he's huge. He's huge. What they say? He's seven foot one. Yeah. At least. He's giant. He's got cool eyes. His eyes move behind his eyes. Like, it's neat to see them take kind of a traditional Star Wars design and then bring a little bit of extra personality to it. And the whole thing with, like, him, like hold on to this bag and he's like no i don't want to hold on and he just drops it yeah it well, was... just yeah, finding out the story of him too where basically he's cassian's droid that he kind of what stole and then reprogrammed but he didn't reprogram correctly or he's missing some stuff so he's kind of not very polite yeah and it, if if you uh for folks that have read um the the chuck wendig books aftermath and now life debt there's a character in it called mr bones that uh snap wexley is he's an old uh, battle droid, and Snap Wexley's reprogrammed him, and he's like really cranky and kind of crazy. Roger, Roger. Um, Wait, how come you never tell me that before, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm telling you, you got to read about Mister Bones. All those times I was like, maybe I'll read those books, maybe I won't. You didn't say, but Mister Bones is in there. <laughs> Mister Bones, a reprogrammed battle droid, and they got like they got like bones like tied to the battle droid, and he still says like Roger, Roger, and stuff. Yeah, how are you, why are you keeping that from me? I, I wanted you to discover it on your own. Yeah. Sir, it will take quite a while to evacuate the T-47. Uh, so that leads into, there was uh, the Droids of Force Awakens panel, I think on Saturday, which was awesome. There was no GA-97. <laughs> 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 oh, 
which then when I watched the Droids of Force Awakens panel, I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I guess people probably do want to hear about BB-8, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple people. I think people like that BB-8. I guess BB-8 was a droid that was in The yeah. Force Awakens. But if you yeah. tell me the droids of Force Awakens, I'm just going to say, what, G97, right? No. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, that's valid, though, because it would have been nice to have at least a little... Because uh, they talked about the, the R2s and all the R4s and those kind of droids, okay, yeah. and the mouse droids, okay, and BB-8, yeah. sure. But, yeah. like, yeah, where's least a little montage of ga97 the big stilt walking droid yeah the the security droid at uh maz Kanata's castle that turns around peasy yeah peasy because we still haven't heard peasy talk really no i mean i guess in the background maybe but there's yeah peasy the big vending machine looking robots in my dreams i've heard peasy talk yeah she calls me on the phone sometimes What you doing? <laughs> Thinking about you? Yeah. A BB unit. He's a BB unit. He's a BB unit. So then the other big thing on Saturday was Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, Rebels was... The wild stuff. Looking hot. Looking real, real hot. First of all, Dave Filoni said, uh, really no surprise, Ahsoka is going to be back in some form, somewhere, somehow. Yeah, the whole talk was was pretty good. Just uh, I always like hearing Dave Filoni talk. Oh, so yeah. Awesome. Yeah, if you haven't watched it already, they did a Star Wars show interview with Filoni and it's Andy Gutierrez and Filoni just sitting in that Millennium Falcon set that they built and it's gold. Filoni is like on his like A game talking to Andy Gutierrez. So I see an Ahsoka and I got my tablet. Ahsoka, can I get my picture with you? And they look like casual. They're like, sure. And then they, their eyes go wide when I put the cowboy hat on and they're like, uh, and then they start shaking. It's weird. Oh my it's God, like, it's no, okay. And then I get the picture, and they don't realize I took the picture on my camera. Now I've seen a Krennic. I mean, I, I met, met a whole Star Wars Rebels family before it was out, and I said, boy, I hope you like the show. Mm-hmm. Like Plo Koon. Everybody knows like Plo Koon. He did absolutely nothing in the movies. Absolutely. He sat in the chair like three different ways. That was it. And, uh, but Star Wars fans, we love that. Star Wars was in the theater for a whole year. The, the first one, I call Star Wars, you called A New Hope. Um, that was in a theater for a whole year. So make sure someone brings my walker when it's time for me to leave the stage today. My back is starting to hurt talking to you, but it's all right. Ahsoka! Battles leave scores. Some you can't see. I will never let my friends get hurt again. The Holocron. I'm afraid it's changing him. What if there are secrets we can learn from it that'll help us destroy the Sith? Ezra, the secrets in that thing almost destroyed you. There are Imperial cadets of the Sky Strike Academy who wish to defect to the Rebels. This is Ty SS25. You can call me Wedge. Welcome to the Rebellion. I still can't believe we're here to break this guy out of prison. My friends, my friends! <laughs> I give to you Reclam Station. If we could steal a squadron's worth... They would be key to building a strike fleet. Let's go get them. 
Everybody ready? Yep. Let's go. One last glorious day in the Grand Army of the Republic. Flying stormtroopers? Worse. Mandalorians who serve the Empire. You haven't forgotten our ways. That has earned my respect. So what's in it for you two? Riches untold, that sort of thing. So we'll split the treasure. <laughs> split the treasure, oh, that's a classic. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. The previous attacks were clumsy, but this one was swift, precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Carabast. Embrace your destiny. Jedi am Sith. The light and the dark. I'm the one in the middle. The Bendu. Once a secret is known, it cannot be unknown. Your anger gives you strength. I will pull the rebels apart piece by piece. I must become more powerful. They'll be the architects of their own. Ezra, turn away before it's too late! The key to destroying the Sith. First thing, Kanan, blind, cool. Kanan with the crazy hippie beard. Oh, the beard. So you know he's a real Jedi now. Yeah, oh, that's true. His training is complete. Complete the beard filled in. You got a beard, so that means, bingo, you're a Jedi. Yep, and his hair is longer, his ponytail's longer. I love it. I love it. And did you see, somebody was saying with Captain Rex's symbols on his eyes that, like, because now he's seen through Rex's eyes that he's a changed person? Yeah, that was one of the things uh, Dave Filoni was talking about in the in the panel was just how they had a hard time kind of deciding on a design for that, and that was kind of what they came up with was it was an interesting thing because there was two aspects. One was that just a technical thing that he thought when they're animating the character, even though he doesn't have eyes anymore, that it's good to have a point of reference of where his eyes would be. And then second, yeah, it was to kind of represent that he didn't like Rex at first, but now they're kind of, he's changed and can appreciate Rex. Yeah. Ezra, uh, he's got, uh, a new haircut. kind of looks like a skull cap. And with that, too, was another good Filoni line where basically he was talking about how everyone complained about how much they didn't like Ezra's hair. And now he cut cut it short and everyone's like, hey, how come you changed Ezra's hair? (laughs) 
<laughs> just out. Star Wars fans are always complaining. Um, one of our loyal listeners, Emily, said on Twitter that it looks like uh, Ezra got hit with the puberty truck. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, the other good one, uh, our, our friend Richie always brings up, which is kind of true and kind of just being mean, but it's funny that it seems like a lot of these changes just make their the show cheaper because it's like they don't have to animate uh, Ezra's hair anymore wait, or wait. Kanan's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so it's like they're writing the story to make the show easier to animate. Uh, Ezra's hanging out with a Sith holocron, goofing around with it, poking at it. He's got some sweet lightsaber moves. Yeah, their lightsaber moves are... A bunch of the, the crew or the ghost, they were standing around, and there's like um, the like fulcrum signal coming up in a hologram, and they hear a voice kind of telling them that there's a bunch of people defecting. Imperial cadets of the Sky Strike Academy who wish to defect to the rebels. I'm not going to say what it is, but um, Jonah Marie from the Wookiee Gunner slowed it down online, that voice, or, or sped it up or something. She figured out who's talking, basically. And if you go to her site, if you want to know, you can know. But once you hear it, it's just like, oh, oh, that's who it is. Yeah, it makes sense then, too. It totally makes sense. Um, so if you're curious, go to the Wookiee Gunner. You can figure it out. But the the voice is saying there's a bunch of TIE fighter pilots that want to defect. Bingo, who's one of the TIE fighter pilots? Wedge Antilles. This is TIE SS25. You can call me Wedge. Welcome to the Rebellion. And he looks perfectly perfect as young Wedge. There's one shot. If you kind of freeze frame it, you can see him saluting and it's like man looks just like little wedge looks like young dennis lawson which i was almost hoping <laughs> like what if they did a bootleg wedge from a new hope <laughs> that's impossible even for a computer well he kind of will be because yeah. he'll be a different voice unless they, it would be funny if uh, when dennis lawson wouldn't come back to do the movies but for some reason he'd come back to do the voice of the cartoon and it's like <laughs> kid wedge but with old man wedge voice yeah a lot more hondo He's talking about uh, stealing a strike fleet of Y-Wings. Awesome. Yeah, more Y-Wings is always better. Uh, Rex has his clone trooper helmet back on. Yep, so you don't have to animate his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was up with them? They're shooting at battle droids. Yeah, the whole line where he's like, it's the last day in the Army of the Republic and the two Jedi and Rex against they find a bunch of battle droids somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, just like it's, Dave, like, it's like Dave Filoni's like, I'm I'm seriously not done making Clone Wars. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and this <laughs> is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. I love battle droids, battle droids in the show. And Champ yep. Sandula is shooting at the battle droids with them. Uh, at the one minute, nine second mark, it sure as heck looks like that's uh, Dash Randar's Outrider going by. Oh, so someone asked a question about that in the talk. Oh, okay. If that was if that was specifically his ship, and if he was in the show, and they basically explained it that the lady who was the concept designer who designed the original ship of the Outrider for um, all the Shadow stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, she works on Rebels now, and they oh. basically had her make a version of that ship. So it's the same it's the same type of ship. It's just not actually Dash Rendar's ship. Oh, it's the same model or something. Yeah. But oh. I thought that was kind of cool that they basically have people, you know, they're finding 
the old the old folks who worked on some of the earlier Star Wars stuff coming back to work on Rebels. Bring in Dash Randar. Who cares? <laughs> well, mate, you know they got to save some surprises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mandalorian stuff like crazy. A oh, white armor Mandalorians. Sabine, she gets a jetpack. It's great. Uh, what was up with those super battle droid troopers robots? Sort of stormtrooper. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. They almost look like the um, what were those called? In Dark Forces, they were like. Oh yeah, were they dark troopers? Something like maybe that? yeah, maybe it was dark troopers. Yeah, they were like the big cyborg stormtroopers. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, Governor Price? skull is no mere deity carving. Surely you knew that the moment you laid eyes on it, it was not made by human hands. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we both had the same thought. Colonel Dr. Irina Spalko, Stalin's yeah. fair-haired girl. So, that's Spalko. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, yeah. There's, I, no, there's no is it or isn't it. It is. <laughs> I had to, like, when I first saw that, I was like, you know, I'm probably just making that up because I still have a soft spot for Crystal Skull. But I was like, no, wait a minute. That's just legit Irina Spalko. I want to know. I want to know. Tell me. I'm ready. I want to know. Floney knows what's up. <laughs> He's putting in the good stuff. He's he's listening to blast points. He's like, wait, I think they like Spalco. Uh, well, that's like remember I told you the whole thing where when they had Satine in Clone Wars, I was like, man, that's funny. That's the same name as as Owen McGregor's girlfriend in uh, Moulin Rouge, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I always thought of as like another prequel. <laughs> and then reading an interview where it was like, yeah, we decided to give her the name Satine because that was. Ewan McGregor's girlfriend <laughs> wait, in, in Moulin Rouge. So wait. it's like, yeah, they know what's up over there. How is Moulin Rouge another prequel? It's like Obi-Wan's on adventures on the musical planet. <laughs> it's like between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. That's where Obi-Wan was. He goes out to the musical planet. He falls in love. <laughs> she dies. And then he goes back to being a Jedi. Somebody should take every Ewan McGregor movie <laughs> and somehow relate it into, the, well, this is... Obi-Wan's other adventure like train spotting is he's like on a hologram of 1990s England <laughs> so then we cut right to the big the, the money shot of the trailer Grand Admiral Thrawn to defeat an enemy you must know them not simply their battle tactics but the history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Carabast. He's in the show. It wasn't a secret. We all knew it was coming. But it's still kind of crazy. So I'm wondering if, like, the crazy save the EU people, right? And especially now that they announced that Timothy Zahn, who created the character, wrote the Heir to the Empire books... No matter what you think of how the books have held up, they credit him being the best, you know? And he's writing a prequel book connecting 
his character to rebels now. So, and that can either be seen as like an olive branch to the crazy EU people, or is like a middle finger to the EU people, <laughs> you know, like. It seems like it's a, an, uh, a good thing. Cause it's kind of like this way they're bringing, I mean, they're changing the timeline around kind of and bringing him in earlier in the story. Yeah. And with having the novel, it kind of gives them a chance to give, some backstory that they don't have time to, I mean, it's not the, it's not the Thrawn show, so they're not going to be able to dig into what's different about his past. Right. That he's now in this new kind of different timeline thing. I don't know. I mean, seems like it's nicer than just bringing him in and, and not doing the extra stuff. I don't know. That's but good. I mean, they, I mean, they're already changing it up, right? Like he's not having the little force canceling lizard ferret things. His buddy. Yeah. Um, well, he, which made a lot of sense. I don't know if you saw that where, where basically Dave Filoni was talking about that and how like him and George Lucas used to talk about that and how that, that didn't make sense because life creates the force and how could you have something alive that cancels the force? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's true. They they have good lunches, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> chit-chat. Yeah, chit-chat. So I liked him straight out of the book studying art. Which did you when you zoom in and look at all the art, some of it is Sabine's graffiti. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's great. Where I was like, oh man, like all this time with Sabine leaving the graffiti, she's just leaving clues for Thrawn to later like study them. And like where they've been, who they are, what they you know. Like Sabine's yeah. been I'm gonna paint a little picture of Ezra and you know, Captain Rex goofing around. Whoa, no, it's gonna screw you up later. Mission accomplished, sir. Uh, so you got Ezra and Maul hanging out. They're goofing around to holocrons. Maul has a shirt now. Good for him. During the panel, they actually showed some clips from the first two episodes that they, that weren't in the trailer. There was a little bit more of Maul. Yeah. Um, with his shirt on. And there was a cool uh, story with that, too, that basically the base that Maul's hanging out in is the model they built for the episode of Clone Wars that they didn't film because the show got canceled, which was the base that Maul was going to be in. That's crazy. So it's like all that stuff that didn't happen because they didn't get a time to make those episodes technically still happened. <laughs> and like that's why he is where he is because that's where he would have been. Did you read Sam Witwer saying that Maul may be looking for like a brother type figure with Ezra? Yeah. Yeah, he still thinks Ezra's his Padawan because he, he wants someone to pass on his knowledge. Which, that's great, too, because that made me think of uh, Savage Opress. Where I was like, man, Maul, probably still looking for that kind of, that brother connection he had for a little bit there with Savage. Yeah. Well, and now he's, you know, he's old enough now, too. He probably feels like he wants to pass on his dark side knowledge to somebody. Right. Then you're a Sith. The Sith. The Sith took everything from me. Ripped me from my mother's arms, murdered my brother, used me as a weapon, and then cast me aside. Abandoned me. Once I had power, now I have nothing. Nothing. You got the, the, the Bendu? Man, the Bendu... Like, Thrawn would have been enough of a crazy reveal, but I'm more excited about the Bendu. Yeah. Who is like, what, the neutral force? He's not Jedi. He's not Sith. He's right down the middle. He's a giant. Tom Baker from Doctor Who is his voice. Yeah, he's he's a giant moose. 
He's like, yeah, Star Wars, Moose, Jedi. <laughs> Who's going to train Kanan how to basically be Qui-Gon, probably. I'm the one in the middle. The Bendu. Once a secret is known, it cannot be unknown. It, there's like force ghosts, like Rares of Lost Ark style ghosts flying around Kanan. We. That looks like the Night Sister stuff. More Clone War stuff coming around. Oh yeah, it did, didn't it? I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's totally like the the Sith magic that was that turned Savage into Savage. Oh. So that's all coming back around too. With yeah, Kanan's like ghost eyes. Yeah. Looking like the fog coming out, glowing eyes. Um and the Jedi Bendu that's hardcore going back to the original George Lucas drafts. Or the opening yep. crawl said the Jedi Bendu. All the way to overcome the dark side is through discipline. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary, and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting, and difficult to achieve. The great challenge must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. (laughs) Remember, the Force will be with you always. Is Sabine with the Darksaber? Yeah. Which I'm all about because I love that Darksaber sound effect. That Darksaber is hot stuff. And I'm curious to see because Maul had it last and now Sabine has it and Maul's hanging out with those guys so uh-huh. either somehow she got it from Maul or Maul's going to be mad that he lost it and now he comes across her and she has it yeah like, but yeah it seems like they're really kicking Sabine's going to be a lot cooler this season yeah she's got her hair's looking cool finally it's like white and purple oh yeah and that was one of the things they said too is how this season was supposed to focus a lot on Sabine and, and who may or may not be her family and a lot of the Mandalorian stuff. I'm pretty convinced that Bo-Katan is her mom. I could see that happening. Pretty convinced. Oh, another thing we didn't talk about that was it was interesting just to hear them talk about, though, was like how the reason they changed Zeb's costume to, like, they took his sleeves off and kind of streamlined it as they're actually trying to make the characters look more like the characters in Rogue One. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're saying over this season they're trying to get people more, the designs to kind of more jive with Rogue One's designs. Fascinating. So that seems like a good indication that if not by the end of this season, season four is going to kind of potentially come into contact with Rogue One characters or just kind of overlap somewhat. I wouldn't be surprised if around. Wouldn't it be like the mid-season break would be right around when Rogue One comes out? If, like, whatever the last episode before the mid-season break, if it's right before Rogue One, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I don't know, somebody Rogue One-ish shows up. It's got to happen. If not, one of the main guys, at least a a K2SO-style droid or... Something. So, um, one other interesting thing with Rebels 2 is not only is Thrawn back, he's voiced by basically Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Yeah. So the Mickelsons are the first family of Star Wars now, basically. <laughs> um, what was his first name? 
It's not angry. Angry and Mads Mickelson. <laughs> happy Milkinson. <laughs> or happy Moof Milkinson. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. That's it. Good night. <laughs> We're out of here. So sometime during the weekend, there's the Fan Film Awards, uh, which we had a whole episode about where we went through all of them. And the the Gareth Edwards Filmmaker Award went to TK436, A a Stormtrooper Story. Kind of surprising. Kind of surprising. The Stormtrooper love story with the people wearing scarves. Uh, The audience choice was The Sable Corsair. Which I was surprised by. That's the yeah. Unless people people are really into Rocketeer, Iron Man, <laughs> robots, Iron Man, C three PO. Okay, animation, great winner. The big question. Totally deserved it. Totally. Spirit of fandom, Star Wars Generations. Okay. Yeah, that one was cool. Mm-hmm. Get it. Best comedy, Ben in the Desert. Hands. Thank God yeah. that one. Yeah, I was. I would have been. <laughs> throwing stuff if that didn't win something. Pass me another cold one, Mr. Kenobi. Another cold one for my main man. Hey! Hey, you Jawas! Now Get I, off I, my I, lawn! Ben, ben, take it easy, man. D- just what shut up. Nah! I'm tired of those little always stealing my and selling it at their fucking dusty flea markets. I tried to start a book club. Jawas stole my books. I tried to own pets. Jawas stole my pets. I took up painting. Guess who stole my damn easel i go to visit my neighbors they're painting a picture of my stolen pet on my stolen easel and well they burn the books because you people are awful hey come on man this planet man (laughs) and visual effects star malice wars with the speeder bikes and the the bb-8 with the bunny ears i I believe it yeah, and maybe now that it won, they'll make part two and they'll rescue her mom this time. Let's see it. Uh, I got to say, though, that uh, Rancor Jedi was robbed. Yeah, I know. Ugh, there's always next year. There's always next year. So, Rancor Jedi, if you're listening, we love you. Keep it up. Yep, yep, we still love you. Oh, nice to see a familiar face. Eat chuta. How rude. Says Mayor Gary Fisher. thought BB-8 was another dog, which I can't deny. <laughs> and, he's crying uh, now. Why are you crying? Now he's weeping. Does and anyone have any treats? You can sit under my desk. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> Somebody asked her about the, the events between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Carrie Fisher then just blurts out, well, there's Han's funeral. What? And then she stopped. Did she get mixed up? Probably. And she dropped a little bomb about episode eight? I think she probably did. That sounds like Carrie Fisher. (laughs) Sounds like she just confirmed that Han Solo's funeral will be in episode eight. It's got to be. We talked about this enough. Oh, it's. Yeah. People would flip out if Han Solo dies and doesn't have a funeral. And if it, it. And that brings us into the future filmmakers panel where they confirmed 
a lot of things that we already know, but one of them is that uh, Han Solo's, or that episode eight starts right at the beginning of seven. And that's, that still totally blows my mind. Yeah. Like, I, it's still hard to wrap my head around that. Yeah, it's still a real puzzler what they're going to say then in the opening crawl. I'm going to keep bringing it up. If if Wicket shows up at Han's funeral, <laughs> it's going to be you know, backflips and breakdancing. Because <laughs> he's got to. Warwick Davis is there. He wants to do it. Yeah, he was there. He was there in Dubrovnik riding around on a Segway scooter. So. Yeah. The Ewoks loved Han. Han loved the Ewoks. He did. They hugged him. Hugged his legs. Yeah. Short help's better than no help at all. <laughs> so, so Ryan Ryan Johnson comes out wearing shoes with no socks. Um, but he says that the the first movie was an incredible explosion of adventure, and eight digs into character and challenges them. And it was kind of interesting. He was saying. That he was st- really started working on eight when they were still filming seven, and he it was still very raw. So he would watch. He had the script, and he would watch dailies in San Francisco, and so he kind of saw these characters, you know, Finn and Ray and Poe, Kylo, saw them forming as he was forming his script for eight. So kind of he was talking about how he was doing all this kind of before they've embedded themselves in culture the way they have now, which is kind of, it's good for him to do that, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be um, for the best because basically he's able to write the characters where they need to go and not be swayed by, yeah, fan, fan service in a way. Today here at, at Celebration in London, it's uh, it's kind of the very first time I've stood up in front of Star Wars fans and gone to talk at all about uh, Episode Eight. And we only did a little bit because it's mostly about Rogue One this year, and, and the focus is on that. Next year in Orlando is really where we'll come out and really get to talk about it. But it, was, it was fun getting to just stand up in front of, um, you know, the... The, the elite fans, the fan, 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 fans, and really, uh, yeah, just give even just like a little introduction to kind of what we're up to. He he showed a bunch of his photos. Um, he apologized actually to the crowd that his photos have green screen in the background. <laughs> um, he said uh, he was doing that just so, to show that they weren't giving it, it to, so he wouldn't give anything away. But he told the crowd, I want everyone to know that the amount of sets we built is absolutely ridiculous. So it's like they, they don't stop. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's it, all right. Yeah. Everyone will get tired of sets in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, they're using sets again. When, uh, yeah, when the prequels come back and get cool, which they will, right? They will. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's already starting to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Slowly. Slow, slowly. Uh, Filoni visited the set many times, which is great. And then finally, Ryan Johnson confirms he'll be back in Orlando next year with a lot of episode eight stuff for us. Which that, which uh, when he said that, because we got our tickets for Orlando already, and I was like, oh, man, so glad I'm going to be there. But then I was just like, holy crap, what's that going to be like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we thought 
we thought Anaheim was crazy. What are the lines going to be like in Orlando? Yeah. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. Because nobody knew what to expect with Force Awakens. Yeah. It's like, do I even still like Star Wars? I don't know. Let's just check this out. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what we said. And now it's like, whoa, okay, I guess I still like Star Wars. Yeah. And so does everybody else. Uh, they revealed a big logo for the 40th anniversary. Lord and Miller come out. They start talking about the Han Solo movie. The uh, script is still being worked on. And then uh, Alden Ehrenreich comes out, kind of reminding everyone in the audience that that news of him being cast wasn't official yet. Well, now that um, you're anyway, sure. So, do you want to you want to say who it is? Uh, yeah, I think this is um, the best kept secret in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> the identity of this person uh, is Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. And, uh, and he's actually here and today. Guess what? He's here today, so let's bring him out. Hi, everybody. You just got, you just flew in yesterday, right? Yeah, I flew in yesterday, yeah. And well, thanks so much for coming to the panel. Thanks for making it the celebration. He seems great. You know, like when I kind of saw him up there, like, especially sitting next to John Boyega, who came out as a surprise, it was kind of like, all right, I get it. I get that this guy could be Han, maybe, young Han. Han Solo. 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 Yeah, I think there's potential there. Because I think it's good that he's not just like a look-alike. Yeah. Because they got to do something a little bit different with it. They said that he screen tested with Chewbacca, which is a good sign. Man, I hope we see some of that footage at... Uh, Maybe next celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, filming starts in January. They said there are lots of droids and lots of sets. They made it, well, they wanted to make sure we know there are lots of sets in the Han Solo movie. Then uh, John Boyega uh, let it drop that Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran has a, quote, huge role in eight, which is funny because did you see that Kelly Marie Tran was walking around celebration? No. And, and like two people know who knew who she was, and she's walking around wearing a thin t shirt. Star Wars celebration, what's up? What? That's pretty cool though. That would probably be fun to be in that situation to get to do that, knowing that you won't get to do that the next year. Yeah. Uh and it's still interesting because that made me think like, God, there's still so much with eight. There's who the hell is Benicio del Toro playing? Yeah. Or um Laura Dern. Laura Dern. I was thinking about that the other night, too. It's, it's just kind of exciting that there's still so much we don't know. So then uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher show up, goofing around. Uh, Mark Hamill's dancing around the stage, singing Hello, Dolly songs. Not kidding. And then, like, that's pretty much it. Then they're just like, hey, thanks for coming to Celebration. There were a bunch of people that immediately got mad on the Internet. Because there was no title given. People thought there was going to be a title for episode eight. Or people thought there'd be like footage from episode eight coming. And kind of forgetting that the whole thing with this celebration is Rogue One. And forgetting that the title for episode seven came out in early November. 
just a little bit over a year before The Force Awakens came out. Yeah, and there's still San Diego Comic Con coming this year. And if and you th- then- yeah, and if you think if they release this November the title for eight, then they can have a teaser for eight with Rogue One. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? They have to do that. They have to. I mean, all, the Marvel movies always have the trailer for whatever the next Marvel movie is usually before it. So, and, and then if you got the one random Star Wars fan who's on the fence about Rogue One, I don't know if I want to see it. Then it'd be like, well, dude, do you want to see the preview for Episode Eight? Then you gotta go see Rogue One. Yeah, and that's better than having to go see Waterboy. <laughs> Meet Joe Black, <laughs> Wing Commander. All the movies we went to go see. I would rather see Rogue One. That was Celebration London. I'm sure there are things we missed. I'm sure there there's still videos that are going to come out online. There's more panels that we didn't watch. Neither of us watched the Ahsoka panel, which I feel like a jerk. I know. Well, I think that was one of the ones on Friday, wasn't it? I think. It was one of the, like, one, like six in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the Rogue One started up, and it's like, I'll get to that Ahsoka panel I'll watch it this weekend, and it didn't happen. But it, that's the great thing, that it's online, and you can watch all this stuff. And I feel like more and more of the, the panels and the inter, the stuff from the Star Wars show, interviews, they're popping up. They're going to keep posting them. You know, I'll watch. It's kind of neat knowing, like, oh, I can watch that Ahsoka panel anytime I want now and get caught up on it. Yeah, because that would, is a definitely recommended one to watch, too, because I, I at least read what was in the panel, and there's some crazy stuff in there. Watch it on an iPad, put headphones on, and be real groovy. (laughs) (laughs) And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So we don't have any new iTunes reviews to read this week. But if we did... We'd read them on the show right now. So that means you should go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave Blast Points a five-star review. Do it. Write something really awesome. And we'll read it on the show. You don't even have to write anything really awesome. No. And we'll still read it on the show. We will. There's a Blast Points Facebook page. You should like that. Find out about new episodes when they come out. We're on Instagram. You can talk to us on Twitter. It's at blast underscore points. Talk to us on there. Tell us what you think of the show. Show ideas, anything. Talk to us about the Stan, Pow, the White Yeti guy. Bays. 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 Um, Bays. K2, I love you so. Yeah. Show us your homemade K2SO t-shirts that you made. Um, homemade GA97 puppets. <laughs> Please. Please. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So the next couple weeks are going to be kind of crazy. Uh, I, I'm insanely busy, so we have a couple special episodes coming up. Uh, first one's going to be a little mini episode with a review of Life Debt, finally. I'm going to be getting in-depth with that. And then after that, it will be a special interview episode that I'm sure you're going to love. But then we'll be back together in the beginning of August. 
Before you know it. Yeah, before you know it. And we'll have a lot to talk about in there in the next two weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. If we're lucky, Lucasfilm will let everybody catch their breath for at least a week (laughs) here. But, you know, you never know. (laughs) I doubt it. Yeah, I know. I doubt it. They're going to tell us it's going to be a Gungan walking around in the background of uh, Rogue One. Gungan pilot. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Gungan imperial officer. Captain Tarples lives. Yep. His son. <laughs> Little Tarples. All right. So with that, thank you for listening to episode 30, Celebration Explosion. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you. We'll, we'll see you together in a couple weeks. Yep. Sounds good. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. I can't see, but I can feel with my heart. <laughs> Made a full-